opinions voiced in Investing Simplified with Bo Caldwell are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with an attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. A diversified portfolio does not assure profit or prevent losses in a declining market. Roth IRA conversion is a taxable event. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated. Investment services offered through Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated, an SEC registered investment advisor. We do investing simplified. Welcome into Investing Simplified. However, you're joining us today. Thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, you can catch replays of our show on Apple and Android podcasts, as well as Amazon Music. This is Matt Sudol and Matt May coming to you from Price Financial Group, and this is Investing Simplified. Sir, how are you? I am doing well, and how about you? Doing pretty good, pretty good. I wanted to take a different spin on our opening this time, since every uh, week we talk about the current events and the economy uh, during our opening segment here on the show, but we wanted to talk about just sort of trends and history and more of long-term versus focusing on so much on the day-in, day-out, right? Yeah. If we're talking to our clients about, hey, maintain a longer time horizon to not just get caught up in the day-to-day stuff, it, uh, it at times it feels like when we do the market updates, it's just focus on today's uh, events and making decisions and conversations based on just what's happening today. So I, I like that concept to just you know throw a, just taking a, a, a reminder spin, perspective in there. Right? There's always a lot of news coming out. This week wasn't any different. There was a lot of headlines, a lot of companies reporting earnings, you know, federal meetings and such, yeah. Federal Reserve. But looking back at, you know, a year back, two years back, we can have some lessons maybe in there as to why investing in the long term and having a strategy for the long term is usually a better idea than, you know, looking at the day in, day out and making yourself almost nauseous looking at things. Oh, sure. It's just been super volatile. And, you know, when you have such the negative market in the stock market coupled with the worst bond year in history last year in 2022. I mean, it really sunk in with a lot of gravitas, how deeply it affected people. You know, when when we're talking with clients, you know, it's certainly on everyone's minds like, Hey, when is this thing going to turn around? When am I, when am I going to recoup any losses, et cetera, et cetera. So we just, you know, kind of take that moment to reflect and look at our long-term plan, look at our long-term strategies, and then just discuss, like we have the large, the 800-pound gorillas that are at work here. You know, the Fed in 2021 telegraphed exactly what they were going to do pretty much in 2022. Hey, we're going to keep raising rates to control inflation. Raise, 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 raise. Market was kind of in disbelief that they were actually going to do it, but they, they did pretty much everything that they said they were going right. to do. And, you know, now we're at that kind of 
near what what sounds to be from the Federal Reserve's own language, it seems to be that we're down to just a few. They say they just said recently a few interest rate increases. Right. The market is saying one or two, but you know we'll see if there's any big market implications between what the investor expects as far as interest rates go and what the fed actually does. Right. But at, at some point we're going to reach peak rates. Uh, likely inflation is pulling down. And that's one of those big 800 pound gorillas that we'd really want to focus on is that inflation is moving the right direction and interest rates appear to be moving towards that top rate because that's important because that's the fed putting their brakes on the economy as we've talked about. So, right. and then China coming back online, those are three things that are big forces that are, uh, are either slowing coming to an end or, or turning around into a positive direction. So if, if we're focusing on a long term, those are really three big developments. We just did not, we had the exact opposite last year, China shut down. Fed raising in interest rates one after another, inflation at 40-year highs. Those were bad things. Now those 800-pound gorillas have gotten a little tired. They're you know starting to think about a, a timeout. Hey, maybe I just need to you know check out of this uh, out of this fight for a little bit and, and take a take a breather. Absolutely. So you know if I were to point to a specific week last year or two years ago. You wouldn't remember what happened, even a specific month. You know, were we up? Were we down? What were the news? Most people don't remember what happened a specific Mm -hmm. time, unless it was a huge event, which obviously everyone remembers the 9-11 attacks, when COVID broke down, right? Broke Mm -hmm. out first, you know, March of 2020. And certain events like that are remembered, you know, uh, going back to end of 2018. If you're a financial nerd like us, you know, that's when the Fed decided to stop hiking rates once and pivot it and change their course. Uh, most people don't think of that either. Uh, and so there are things that are pretty large that happen, but how has that changed your trajectory of what your plan was or is, mm-hmm. right? If you're trying to come up with a strategy that will get you through the good, the bad, and the ugly, you want to make sure you have, you know, put some thought behind it and kind of sticking with the script has been a pretty good prescription for quite a while, right? Yeah. Because we go through these rhythms. Speaking, yeah. yeah, we go through these rhythms, you know, 2022, was the worst year since 2008 for the stock market, which is quite remarkable given the fact that we made it through a pandemic. But if you remember pandemic, right, the V-shaped recovery, we came back and and did a a year that should have been negative um, in the green. So we haven't experienced that volatility in in quite a while. Uh, But again, if we're focusing on day in, day out, week, week, week over week, and trying to really fine tune things, you just got to let things sit and stew and brew, so to speak, right? Yep. If you think about all the headlines that we've seen over the last 12 plus years, you know, if we we look back to the year 2010, the Dow was actually priced at 10,000 points sometime that year. And, you know, we're not the highest that we've ever been on the Dow, but we're right. still pretty close to 34,000. Yeah, triple plus and of it, you know. Yeah, so, two, 240% return, that is almost. Yeah, so if you think about those magnitudes of returns, you know, talk to your grandparents or talk to your parents or someone in your life that's been invested for a while and ask them, well, we've been through this roller coaster, but have you, you know, experienced gains in the market over time? Or has it always been this, this red, right? Especially if you're maybe gotten shaken up last year and looking at your end of the year statements, which are 
sort of coming in right now, right? And still in January, February, as you're getting your statements in the mail from various brokerage or 401k places, this is the time where maybe you're looking at it for the first time since perhaps some first part of 2022. And you're like, oh my goodness, what happened here? Uh, you know, if you looked at it day in, day out, you would have experienced even more volatility than, you know, where we ended the year, because relatively speaking, we've ended the year on a decent note, considering how low the market has gotten throughout the year, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think, it, you know, at times when we're just beaten over the head with negative headlines, it can be really difficult to stay in the game. And everybody right. is, you know, thinking, hey, do I get out? Is it going to get worse? Do I, you know, go all in? I've got cash on the sidelines. Like, which direction is this thing going to go? I think it's really important to look at the things over a longer period of time that are positive because it's really easy and it's super hard to avoid. It's really easy to bite the temptation to sell. And it's really hard to avoid those negative emotions that come from the uh, experience of loss. So really in those times, you have to look at those positive things to fight discouragement with your investment results. Right. Because personal finance has so much psychology in there. It's, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that whole following the herd mentality, right? When everybody's piling into the market, We've got what we call sometimes FOMO, fear of missing out. And you want to jump in, you want to hop on, you want to make as much money as everyone else is. Now, on the flip side, if the things are selling off, uh, you know, the initial instinct for someone, you know, is sort of like touching the hot stove. Hey, get me out of here, right? Pull back, maybe sell out of a portfolio. And those are reactions that, you know, can be positive or can be negative. Again, you have to have a plan to know how you should operate, right? And, and and when we're talking about planning again, it's not day over day, week over week, or even month over month. We're talking years because or decades because of how long it takes to A, get to retirement, and then B, more importantly, once you're in retirement, you've got decades a lot of the times to be in retirement. So one of the things that has definitely taken a night-to-day change over the last 18 months is interest rates. Right. So that makes me feel good as an advisor where now we don't have to push ourselves into the stock market to search for returns because interest rates were so darn low. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So that offers us the ability to take less risk and generate more income because that should be one of the top things on our mind is how do we create a reliable income stream out of our bucket of money to either uh, pay for travel or pay for a retirement or maybe buy a second house. If income is part of your goal, I think that that's an important aspect to focus on that. Now we can go into those lower risk investments. That's investment grade and get a good chunk of income. And I'm, I'm thinking, thinking out loud here, I'll put it on radio. I do believe that we have a chance at seeing positive rates of return on investment grade investments by the end of this year. 2023. Well, especially if the Fed stays on track with inflation cuts and maybe we go into a deflation situation where your dollars are actually going back down or the, the, things are actually deflating, which is you made a face when I said it because I know you probably don't believe it. But I have heard a couple of now articles here and there come out saying, hey, 
if we keep going at this pace, maybe inflation will flip into a deflation because it's not necessarily that things will depreciate in value so much as it is the fact of how inflation is measured, which is year over year. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a year over year target and we had such a big run up the prior year, then when we lap it, if there's a small decrease of pricing, a lot of that's happening right now in the used car space, for example. Another space is... Uh, electric vehicles, uh, if you follow Tesla, for example, cut prices. And sure enough, right after Tesla, BMW cut their prices. And I think I heard also Ford Mackie just cut their prices. So we mm-hmm. are going to have a deflation, which is hard to believe. But let's just say hypothetically, we have a, let's say a 1% deflation and you're getting a 3% rate on a savings account. Well, you're actually up 4%. You're actually up more than you know you were in prior years so oh yeah we're far away from deflation i'm not saying we're there yet but you never know there are little pockets that are showing up yeah yeah because we're seeing a slowdown in the spending and slowdown in demand which is sort of kicking back the competitiveness of products you know well that's one of the things that's been missing out of this market is companies didn't have to be that competitive because if they had a product that was in high demand it just flew off the shelves you didn't have to be better on price and quality. It was just like, hey, I need this toilet paper and I really don't care what it costs because it's needed, right? We all remember COVID. Or I think it won't be there <laughs> won't next be there. week, so I better or buy paper towels. everything I can see. Yeah. Did you even look at the price of how much you paid for the paper towels or toilet paper? But going back to what you were saying is, you know, options that are would be considered less risky, right, um, mm-hmm. are paying a yield that's higher. We've arrived at a time where things are paying us for, you know, being somewhat secure. I mean, we're talking savings accounts, CDs, you got investment grade bonds, right? You got treasuries, Treasuries, lots of different things that, you know, money markets that are going up in how much they're paying. We're not back to the good old days back in the day where, you know, your grandparents said, well, back in my days, the CDs were paying 12%. We're not there yet. We're likely not going there. Mortgages were also 15%, something like that. Right, mortgages were high. But we're seeing yields that may, you know, change people's direction a bit where they're saying, well, I used to think I had to, as you said, pile into the markets because that's where I got the yield or return. But maybe there are options where you could stay away from the more volatile investments and go back into things that aren't as volatile that you can potentially still make things work with. Now, everything depends on your specific situation, your plan. So you should sit down with someone and and talk through it uh, just because we don't know what we don't know about you. Yeah, and there's also that uh, occurrence of what's called recency bias to expect what we just experienced to continue to happen going forward. So looking back to 2022, of course, the worst year in bonds, we said it, I don't know, 15 times for a while. But, you know, expecting when, when we're looking at our 401ks and saying, hey, what do I pick for my investment lineup? Uh, this one was down. You know, this is a low risk. investment, oh, sure. but It is down like 13 percent. I don't want that. Let's go to the stable value fund. It didn't do it, it didn't lose anything last year. Maybe true or maybe it was down just a little bit. But still, when you look going forward, I would encourage you to like just just take a peek at the yields and i don't know if you're if the data inside your 401k or, or wherever you're allocating your investments if it actually shows you the yield you might have to just find that investment dig it up on morningstar kind of check and see what that investment is paying just to double check cuz it could be something that's generating a lot of income so going forward if we see either a rate pause or even better a rate 
decrease to stimulate the economy, those low-risk investments might do pretty well comparatively too. Right. It all depends on where things go. And again, yeah. going back to what I was saying, each situation is different. Want to sit down with us to take a look at things. That's what we do. We do a complimentary consultation for our listeners. If you want us to dig into your financial situation, get the details out of whether it be your retirement plan, brokerage accounts, whatever you have invested to get you a little bit more information, that consultation is complimentary. And our number here is 503-253-3000. Now with that segment, we're going to take a break and then we'll be back with more Investing Simplified. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. We do investing simplify. You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to our host, Matt Sudol. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. However you're joining us today, thank you again for making us a part of your day. As always, you can catch replays of our show on Apple Podcasts, as well as those Android phones, Android He's looking at me when he says that, those Android phones. Yeah. That's me. I, I was an iPhone guy for a little while. For a while, yeah. Well, I just had a conversation with, with a listener about that, and they're um, also an Android, and they were saying it's almost like the political parties. You've got the Androids and the iPhones with the Apple, right? So both are... Nobody s- wants to talk to each other. Quote-unquote cults per- perfect, of some sort. Perfect analogy. But our shows are available on both if you wanted to listen, and we're also on Amazon Music. We've been trying to stay on top of uploading the latest shows up there, so if you've missed part of the show, feel free to catch a replay. We've got them posted for the last few months. And one of the one of the things I mentioned, I want to say, last show, two shows ago, was the concept of an inverted yield curve. And I thought it would be a good subject to reapproach and just to kind of explain it again, because I've had a couple questions here and there that came up from it. And how does that really relate to what the banks are doing with rates and what we're seeing out there? And what does it all really mean? And the concept of an inverted yield curve isn't new. You know, it usually signals, say, a recession, which we're likely heading or are in one. Although, not to change the subjects, but the GDP data came in uh, looking like we were actually positive for quarter four. And so if the two quarters of negative GDP from last year don't get revised to positive, possibly we had a technical recession, not an official recession, and we may actually not fall into a full recession, depending on how the full economy performs. But inverted yield curves a lot of times signal that recession. And yep. really, the concept of an inversion is that normally, short-term rates are lower than long-term rates. Now, logically, that should make sense. If you have a, let's call it a CD for simple terms, a one-year CD versus a five-year CD, or anything really, if it's a one-year bond or a five-year bond or a loan, the longer the term the higher the rate should be because you as either the you know as the lender of the money because you're lending your money to the bank for example or to a company through a bond should be rewarded for long-term loans 
more than you are for short term. So if you're lending somebody, yeah, your time, your time, yeah, your, your time is for longer. Exactly. So in a normal world, you know, a short term rate would be lower and the long term rate would be higher. However, that's been inverted for a while. And basically what we're seeing now is you can get a two year treasury at four plus percent versus a 10 year treasury at what is Around it three and a half ish three and a half percentage yeah. and so and the 30-year treasury is even further that so what's happening is that we're getting rewarded for the short term more than the long term and so if you visit a bank a website online to shop for cds for example you're seeing six month nine month three month cds just being really really high and then you say well let me put it in for three years and you'll either get the same rate or a lower rate and so it's making people scratch their heads like, well, why would that be? Well, banks are sort of anticipating that, hey, they sort of monitor and, and, and watch how the yield curve performs too. And they know that potentially in the future, as we get out of the recession, as Pat alluded to uh, in the last segment, we may see a pause or a, a rate cut. Now, when, did that, when will that happen? We don't know. It could be tail end of this year, maybe, probably next year. More likely, the, that's the, what the Fed, Fed says they're going to... Stay put. All right. you know, they're gonna they're gonna keep raising it a few more times, quote unquote. Right. That's what they say. We don't know. One, two, three. How many is a few? And then keep it uh, keep it there, held at, right. at the same level until twenty twenty four. And the market is saying one, maybe two rate increases this year. Yep. And then you're gonna have to come down because you pushed us into a recession, yep. and you and gotta the, you gotta keep us from you, hitting you, the mountains. And you might have you to pull up on the stick. by like two percent. Yeah. So. Lots of different ideas out there. What will actually happen, we'll know. Although what history has told us and what we've talked about on our prior segment is don't fight the Fed. And they've outlined what they're going to do. And they do change their mind at times. They do. But usually they try to stick with the script. And the reason why is because it's their credibility. Mm -hmm. If they come out and they change their mind every meeting or just go with the flow of what the market's trying to make them do. Which they, they used to do. That's yeah. what's remarkable about remarkable about the Fed over the last, say, six or eight years is they've been more willing to give that information to everyone, to to the you know media at large and the, yeah, what they're the financial community, yeah. just so everyone can understand what they're seeing, what they're reacting to, and kind of give the guidance before it was just you know, black box. They right. wouldn't say much of anything. Yeah. So going back to the inverted yield curve in the banks, well, if I'm a bank and I'm trying to get deposits on, uh, what they're going to do is they're going to turn the deposits into loans of some sort, right? Make make their margin off of it. But why would I get you a five-year rate as high as a nine-month rate when I have a suspicion in two, three years rates might be lower? And so they're sort of placing that bet out there too, thinking, hey, Rates are probably going to come down at some point. That's what the Fed's signaling. So we shouldn't tie up money at, you know, too high of rates for too long. Now, I they're have, still getting decent rates out there. Yeah, I did. I, I was watching CNBC recently, and there was a, a former uh, Fed uh, Fed board member on there chatting. Mm -hmm. And he was looking at central banks around the, the world saying, hey, the central banks have said that they are committed to releasing more of their own uh, bonds for, for uh, particular governments around the world, hmm. Japan being one of them, right. May, perhaps even the European Union, to start boosting their military spending and some other initiatives that they have. So there's just going to be this glut of global bonds. And there's also going to be, you know, as a country, we have over $31 trillion in debt. 
And that doesn't, you know, those bonds come due and we have to like essentially refinance that as a country. Right. And he was saying Janet Yellen, when uh, the 30-year treasury was at 1% uh, several years ago, she was encouraging our government. She's like, load up, go big, borrow as much as you can at 1%. And we didn't, you know, it was after that. Now uh, we didn't go, we didn't go out 30 years. We went to a much shorter term. Now as a country, our average interest rate is around two and a half percent. And, you know, we think about it, it was like not a big deal between one and two and a half percent, but on $31.8 trillion, it's saying it, the, the debt service right now for the U.S. government debt is $800 billion a year. It's a scary big number. Yeah, it's yeah. almost a trillion. And yeah, just so, an interest. So, you know, and so what you've got... What, what he was oh. saying, uh, just to finish that, is like, okay, now the, the U.S. treasuries, we're going to have a, a pretty good supply coming to the market. There's going to be other countries around the world with their, you know, government bonds coming to market. There's going to be a lot of influx of a lot of bonds. And he feels that that will hold up the higher end or the longer end of the yield curve, rather. He said he's not necessarily expecting the long-term rates to come down. He's expecting long-term rates to go up because of that. And the short-term rates will go down because people will be exiting those short-term positions as they mature. Perhaps he's correct. We'll see what happens. That was his opinion. Yeah. It it makes sense to me when you have that much supply coming. It it was a supply and demand issue. He's like, the the supply is going to be monumental, he thinks. When you're running the government and you have, you know, the ability to just add numbers to your calculator or add extra cells in your Excel spreadsheet to, you know, basically have the full faith of the government behind you. Mm -hmm. It's hard to compare that to just the everyday person saying, well, if I don't pay off my debt and then I have to make the payments on it, I can't continuously accrue it, which is why sometimes we say on the show that, you know, you should run a balanced budget at home because you're not in Congress where things don't really have to balance because, you know, you, you accrue debt if you don't. So, it's an interesting concept, and the inverted yield curve will probably be around for a bit longer until we figure out what we're doing next with the economy. I know the Fed's trying to have unemployment spike, and so they can see that their work is really working. They want inflation to continue to come down. Uh, but when you're looking at rates out there, just because I know people are now waking up, I feel like there's this great wake-up. <laughs> happening. The great, awake, the great, the great rate wake up. Wake up where people are like, wait oh, I a like minute. That. We should trademark it. As soon as rates went up, people were like, eh, no big deal. 1%, 2%. But we're seeing 3 4 and such uh, and up. And people are all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. Maybe my money that's been sitting around you know, collecting cobwebs should do something different. Or to your point, maybe it's some money that you've had in uh, somewhere that you need to reposition to where... You might be okay just taking a, f- a fixed rate of some sort and just being okay without having to really worry about the volatility. So it's been on people's minds. If it's on your mind and if you'd like some ideas, we're here to help. Happy to provide a complimentary consultation. Our number is 503-253-3000. Rates are always changing, which is why it's always best to give us a call. One other thing to add that's probably something that people are aware of, but just in case you weren't, in terms of fixed rates of any sort, you know, whether it be CDs or fixed annuities or bonds in general, you can have such options within both qualified and non-qualified accounts. What do I mean by that? Well, if you have an IRA, you can buy a CD with it. You could also buy a fixed annuity with it. 
And if you have an unqualified account, maybe a brokerage account in your name or in the name of a trust or a joint account, all of those can have those options. A lot of times people are thinking just because it's an IRA, it's got to be invested in the overall stock market. Let's say the S&P 500 index or something. That's not necessarily true. You can invest it in however you want. So fixed options are looking okay. Uh, yields on bonds are looking okay. We've gotten to a point where, as we called it, you know, the great rate awakening has happened. People are actually looking at things and saying, hey, maybe I should consider jumping into something. So wanted to give that update to everyone. And uh, now we'll take another break and we'll be back with more Investing Simplified. When planning for income and retirement, there's a lot to consider. Between managing the budget that fits the family, trying to figure out from where to draw your income, or balancing the tax ramifications of withdrawals, moving into retirement can be overwhelming. At Price Financial Group, we help clients work to create a sustainable retirement roadmap, addressing these concerns and more, and helping folks feel confident in their future retirement income, right when they need it most. If you'd like a financial plan tailored just for you, please don't hesitate and call our office today at 503-253-3000, 503-253-3000 to set up your complimentary consultation. Price Financial Group offers investment advisory services through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to our host, Matt Sudol. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. However you're joining us today, thank you again for making us a part of your day. As we continue the show, wanted to remind everyone that we are available on podcasts, both Apple and Android, as well as on our website, www.pricefg.com. Finally, we're also on Amazon Music. And we like to review listeners' questions. And so if you have a question that you'd like to submit to us, you can email that question to askbo, that's A-S-K-B-O, at pricefg.com. It's always good to hear from our listeners and gives us ideas as to what is going on out there and what are people thinking about. So one of the things that I wanted to review or talk about, since it's you know first part of the year still, is tax forms and just the importance of making sure you don't jump the gun to filing your taxes and running over to your accountant. And why do I say that? Well, if you are retired, you may be pulling money out of retirement accounts, right? IRAs, Roth IRAs, 401ks and such. And those forms do come in the mail and they tend to come right about now, uh, but sometimes they have revisions in them, right? Mm -hmm. So before you run with the forms to your accountant, double check with whoever your uh, brokerage is with, right? Whoever your custodian, I should say, is with to make sure this is the latest and the greatest data. Give it some time to make sure that this is not looking for another update. Same with brokerage accounts. So some people forget about this. I've had this happen um, before where I've heard of someone forgetting, quote unquote, about the fact that they have a brokerage account that maybe paid some dividends. And so if you have, let's say, I don't know, Apple stock, Microsoft stock, some stock of some company, and it pays a dividend in a brokerage account that would be what a lot of people would call a taxable account. And I know we don't like the word taxable because it has a connotation with taxes. You don't pay taxes on all of it, but you do pay taxes on capital gains, dividends, interests. And so if you're holding, let's say, Apple stock and over a year it pays you 1% in dividends, I don't know what their yield is, but let's say it's 1%, those dividends are 
taxable, which means you're going to get a 1099 and there's going to be one of those 1099s that has that outlined. And so to make sure you're grabbing that also for your accountant. So it's it's one of those times right now when accountants are sending out their packets of information, right? They're gathering the information. You're gathering things yourself. I'll tell you that if you want to make your accountant happy, um, they prefer to get everything in a lump sum all at once versus piecemealing it. So if you are sitting on three things and then you've got three more things coming, probably wait till you have everything mm-hmm. and then nicely send it off to your accountant to help you with your taxes. Better yet, they love when they can take your data in the form of a QuickBooks data download or something like that, yeah. where they're just taking your uh, that 1099 information, because some of those things can be really, really long. Right, right. Every, if any interest, any dividend, any cap gain on all these different yeah. investments, it's line item after line item, and they can just import it directly through a software like QuickBooks, which is pretty cool. And I think accountants by nature are, are, you know, I would say pretty organized people most of the time, probably. And so the more organized you can make the data, you know, the data, and the more organized your thoughts are when you're, you know, explaining what's going on. Remember that whoever you're working with is probably working on lots and lots of tax returns. And so they're probably bogged down with a lot in your situation that you're telling them about. They may remember you, but they won't remember what they did for you a year ago. So remembering all those little details is important too, just because they're human too, right? And right now they're working crazy hours because tax season's officially started, I think, tail end of uh, January and it's going through April 18th. Um, So this is when, if your family member is a CPA, they're probably gone most of the time and you got to deal with it. Yep. And so remember that this does, if you're fortunate enough to have enough extra money to be able to open a brokerage account and you have these tax forms, it has been lately more so over the last three or four years, I've seen more and more investment companies report their tax data to the brokerages later and later. So you might get a form early February, mid-February, and it says you want to make sure it's like preliminary, like figures not final or draft. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that it says figures final. But I've even seen where the the 1099 that came in said figures final. And then two weeks later, something else came in. You've already filed. You've got to go through the amendment process on your taxes. So So check with the custodian to be sure. If you're you're fortunate enough to to have those types of accounts, then the the, the downside is you probably want to wait closer to the deadline to file, maybe even as late as mid-March, just to make sure everything comes in. I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, Silver lining, you have accounts that are making you money. So... Therefore, you have some homework. Your homework is to get a hold of your custodian, make sure you have the right forms. If you haven't received the forms, maybe you're set up for online. A lot of custodians are sent, you know, making these available online just because whole times are extra long around these times because not you're not the only one thinking of, hey, I need my tax forms. Um, one of the things to remember is banks will send you a form only if you've made over $10 in interest. So keep an eye on those. And otherwise, you, you have to kind of report it on your own. Uh, and those f- usually at least come in a little bit more on time because mm-hmm. interest calculation on a savings account is much, much easier. And then, of course, we've got W-2s and such that are going to be needed for taxes. But just a quick reminder for our listeners, just because of the fact that we are in this tax season and we want to make sure everybody's uh, doing their part and not waiting till the last minute, right? If you yep. do need to wait till last minute, you can file an extension, talk to a tax professional to discuss it. But wanted to plug that in, but... One of the other things I wanted to really 
chat about a bit more is real estate and where we are with housing and how rates have changed. And we're going to have somebody from um, Mortgage come on here in the next couple of weeks to talk more. I'm going to have a guest come on on the show. He's been on the show before, but before he does, I know rates have come back down a little bit. So we were pushing seven plus percent range towards the end of the year. And we've yeah, had for a, a 30 year mortgage, seven on a 30 year plus, mortgage. Yeah. Yep. And Ooh. then we've uh, come back down a bit to sixes, probably low sixes at the moment, maybe slightly below 6%, depending on who your lender is, how your credit is doing. So, but we haven't really seen property values drop quite as much as, as that, you know, as they probably should have to price them incorrectly. When we talked about affordability of housing, you know, for each 1% of an increase of interest rates, your purchasing power drops by about 10%. And so if you have a 3 4% hike on rates, which, you know, we, that's what we've experienced, property values could be down as much as 30 to 40%. Now we've seen, and we talked about it on the show, some markets get hit 10 15% already, but most haven't seen, you know, the brunt of things yet. And data on housing does lag quite a bit uh, just because of how it's reported. And also a lot of the new construction uh, builders will try to do everything they can before they discount the price of their property. Because if they lower their price, obviously that affects all the values of homes they've already sold negatively and then also future sales. So a lot of the time we're not seeing the price cuts as much as we're seeing, you know, very generous credits from lenders, whether it be to buy down your rate or maybe to help you with the down payment. So if you're out there looking for homes, you know, if you need a house, and we've talked about this in the past, if you're just in a need, um, you know, at, this is as good a time as any most of the time, just because of the fact that you can't ever be perfect like with the stock market. You don't really know when the bottom will be, if there will be a bottom, will, be, will we go lower, will we go higher? So it's a, you know, good of, as good of an opportunity to jump into it as now, as, as ever, you know, especially if you're renting, for example, right? Because rates have stayed pretty high as well. On the flip side, if you're an investor, you know, it potentially presents an opportunity to continue to be patient with where things are. Uh, we've seen prices come down. Uh, what really drives the rental market, and this is even more on the commercial side, is what's called the cap rate, right? What rate of return, capitalization rate, are you getting on the asset? And so if I have a property that I'm renting for X amount of dollars against how much I pay, that rate of return is what drives the price, really. Mm -hmm. So the higher the rents go, the higher the price goes, which is why we've seen such a huge increase in commercial and residential real estate over the last few years because rents have increased. And now... In, those, in certain segments. There are segments right. that are getting hit, like retail and office space. Right. Seems those to be have little, been getting... You know, Pretty work hit. from home stuff exactly. is, is, is a little tough to work around. But there are other segments in the commercial space like data centers, hospitals, these types of things that are real staple uh, buildings that have seen those rents go up and the property yeah. values of those properties should be going up pretty significantly as well. Yeah, and some of it has to just wait for repricing just because if you think about you know how properties priced again with, with rents, usually businesses sign longer leases than as, you know consumers. So if you're out there renting a house, you're probably on a six-month or year lease. That's usually the typical number we see. On a commercial space, you know, three to five minimum years of commitment is generally normal. Uh, but a lot of bu businesses, especially, you know, if you've got, let's say, a chain restaurant that just, you know, or like a Walgreens or a Kmart or <laughs> Kmart's are actually no longer 
around, but you know, I'm dating myself. No here, more blue light special. But we've seen Kmart. But you know, if it's a big, big retailer, they're probably going to sign maybe a 15 year lease. And so by the time those leases renew, now they do have a, usually an increase built in, but by the time those renew, you know, depending on where rates are, where property values are. And so that's when we see these adjustments, which is why commercial moves a little bit smaller yet than residential. But again, housing, you know, in terms of timing, it's very challenging. Uh, it's slow moving. And again, it's need needs base, really. I mean, if you need a property, you need to move somewhere. You know, last year you were selling high, buying high. If you're, let's say, moving from your house, now mm-hmm. you're selling a little lower and buying a little lower with a higher rate. But, you know, one of the things that mortgage lenders like to say is, you know, you date the rate and you marry the house, meaning, hey, whatever rate I can get, best I can, might as well. Uh, and then I can always refinance, which, you know, depending on what will happen in the future, we may or may not see rates as low as they have been. Uh, but there's a possibility of rates being slightly lower than what we are now. The Treasury only moved from about, well, I guess we, we hit over 4%. Now we're down to three and a half-ish rates, right? And so On the 10-year, yeah. On a 10-year, which which does move um, the mar- mortgage rates a little bit. But it wasn't, you know, it's not step in uh, with it. So mm-hmm. it's interesting, the, the concept. If you look at, hey, this is my 20 or 30-year home, and you've got a 20 or 30-year mortgage, you can actually think about your portfolio like that. As long as it's a quality home and it does the job, you know, you, you got to look at it long term and not focus on, you're probably not checking Zillow every single day when right. interest rates are up again and the market is just slowing. It's winter time, especially in Portland. The properties don't move as fast That's typically. True. Last year and the year before was atypical during COVID. That was like We don't normally see houses just flying off the shelf because right. there was so low inventory in, the, in those yeah. couple of years. So it's normalizing. normalizing. Now it seems to be more of a neutral environment versus you know a, a seller's market. Uh, you, you don't have all these cash buyers coming to the table. Right. So the concessions that we're seeing, a, a friend of mine is a realtor and she was just over the other night. She was saying, of course, it's her, her world is greatly slowed down. I mean, she, I mean, she was working so hard for several years, just, I mean, four five, six offers a week, sometimes four offers a day in those hot periods. Now it's like, yeah, it's definitely slowed way down. Yeah. And the concessions that sellers are making, she was saying that that sellers could, in certain instances, offer a buyer a rate buy down. Right. You know, it, it might if they were going to have to spend twenty or thirty thousand dollars in concessions, like a new roof, or you know, the flooring's all messed up and whatever, whatever. Instead, they take you know fifteen thousand dollars or whatever and buy the rate down. Yeah. Something like that, and it saves the the buyer a whole lot of money and in interest over that 20 or 30 year period of time that that might actually be less money out of pocket for a bigger benefit to the to the buyer right yeah so it's both redu- reduction of price or you know these buy downs and it's both new construction and we're seeing it with sellers just how do you make give an incentive to these buyers which there's a heck of a lot less of them and houses are sitting on the market we're seeing price cuts so yeah, how does that- there's another option too i mean do you have to sell of course, you know, it's do you want to be a landlord? But you could think about since rental rates are so high on even on the residential side, because there's people out there, I can't afford a, you know, $450,000 house at 5.75% interest. I'm priced out. I have to rent. And now, you know, you 
have more uh, people in that pool that could potentially rent from you. If you find a quality renter, it's uh, much like uh, a bond. You know, you've got a 20 year mortgage and it pays income. That's like you own a 20 year mortgage on your right. house and it pays rental income for 20 years. Yeah. Or as long as uh, maybe if we're looking at hopefully rates coming down and prices maybe coming back up a little bit on the, the homes, I would say be careful on what we expect the price to do, just like we would want to be careful of what the stock market price or the bond market price w- might do. We just want to focus on that income. Hey, you know, as long as the property is being taken care of and it, and my renter is covering their rent and I'll even even better looking for positive cash flow, the rent that you're getting is more than the mortgage that you owe then you've got positive cash flow that you could potentially put to work or save or whatever. Yeah, potentially different strategies of approaching. And the reason we, or I bring it up on this segment is because I wanted to talk about the fact that, hey, with these changes, how does this all apply to you? How does it apply to your retirement plan and your goals? Maybe you're trying to buy a rental property. Maybe you're trying to retire and move somewhere else. And so a lot of these things do make a difference and they should be part of your plan. So if you wanted to get a complimentary consultation and figure out what your plan is, your strategy should be. Give us a call here at 503-253-3000. With that, we'll take our final break and we'll be back with more Investing Simplified. If you or someone you know is 65 or older, now is the time to talk about Medicare options. Medicare is an integral part of your financial picture, but there are so many options it can be confusing and overwhelming. Price Financial Group has recently introduced an experienced Medicare specialist who can provide you with a complimentary consultation to cut through the noise and ensure your Medicare needs are aligned with your overall plan. We have offices conveniently located in the metro area and working with our Medicare specialist won't cost you anything except a bit of your time. Call 503-253-3000 or visit PriceFG.com to schedule your complimentary consultation today. You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to our host, Matt Sudol. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. However you're joining us today, thank you for making us a part of your day. As we sit here and wrap up our show, if you've missed parts of our show, we're available on podcasts, both Android as well as Apple, and we're on Amazon Music. You can also check us out at www.pricefg.com. This is Matt Sudol and Matt May coming back to you at the end of our episode for this week. And there were a couple of things I wanted to address still before we are off the airways. Number one being Roth IRA conversion. So again, before we jump into that, it is a taxable event. It's important to state that that if you're doing a Roth conversion, it's a taxable event. What does that mean? Well, you're basically taking dollars out of your traditional pre-tax IRA and converting it to Roth IRA, meaning an after-tax bucket. Now, why would I bring this up now in that you know, any other part of the year. Well, first of all, we talk about Roth conversions and Roth IRAs here all the time. But the reason I bring it up now is because you might be sitting with your tax professional soon. And if you are, perhaps talk about it and bring up the subject. Say, hey, what does that look like for me? Does it make sense for me to consider doing some sort of a Roth conversion? Now, why would someone do that? Well, in essence, what you're trying to accomplish is you're trying to figure out, do I pay taxes on my dollars today? or in the future. So if you have a 
traditional IRA you've been contributing to, each time you make a contribution, you get a deduction on your tax return. It lowers your income by the amount of money you've put into a traditional IRA, traditional 401k. Well, it's all great until you have to pay taxes on it. And that usually happens in retirement or, you know, once you're over 59 and a half, when you no longer have a 10% penalty. Every dollar that comes out of that IRA, traditional IRA, will be taxed. I was talking to someone about this the other day and they said, wouldn't it be wonderful if the government just let us not pay taxes since we're retired? We worked all our lives for it. Well, that would be great, although they don't do that. So in order to plan ahead, you could um, strategically start converting your dollars over to Roth. So what you would do is figure out, okay, how much was my income? Or how much will my income be, rather, because we're looking at 2023, and how much should I convert? The dollars for the taxes that are due can come out of your IRA, or they can come out of your cash if you have it, and basically you pay the taxes on it. But it's an important consideration, and again, it's a taxable event, so do speak with your tax professional about it. And if your financial advisor hasn't brought this up, then maybe bring the subject to them as well, just to see, hey, is this something we should be looking at when we're doing my, you know, my overall plan? Because um, do, we do believe that the way your uh, sources of income are taxed is important. Um, in part of our show, we were talking about how do we turn your dollars that you've saved so carefully into income. And so a lot of time, that's a pretty big riddle that people can't fathom or think of exactly in how to do that. But part of it is how much money can you pull? And then the other part of it is where do we pull it from and why, right? Do we take it out of a taxable account? a tax deferred account, and so on and so forth. So it's important to figure out that at this part of the year potentially is because you're trying to get the attention of your tax professional or you're trying to plan out your year, right? What are we going to pull money for this year's expenses to make sure that the balance of the budget remains constant, right? We're not over budgeting, under budgeting. Hey, this is kind of where we are now. Obviously, there's always opportunity to course correct the mid-year, later in the year, do extra withdrawals or less withdrawals. But if you're thinking of planning ahead, now is a good, as good of a time as any to plan out your 2023. Yeah, and I would say, you know, really focus on the level of income that you're expecting for 2023. You know, this is a concept that you may want to visit sometime around late October or early November when we're specifically looking at is a Roth conversion a good idea? You know, this year, the tax brackets, the amount of income was boosted pretty significantly. So you can remain in the 12% federal tax bracket for a little bit All the way up to about 89,400 and change. If you're married, filing. Yeah, if you're married, filing jointly, correct. And then you also, they they boosted the, the IRS did, they boosted the uh, deduction deduction. deduction to 27,700. Yeah. So that means your top line income could be 117,000 thereabouts. And so if we're looking at that number, say your your income is only 90000 that's potentially $27,000 that you could convert from your IRA to your Roth and pay federally a 12% tax rate. Of course, you know, if you're in Oregon, you've got to tack on the state tax for that. And also, this is a taxable event when you talk about Roth conversions. Yeah, we talked about and that. And you must mm-hmm. consult a tax professional in our opinion, you to make sure you do that. do that, yeah, right. And state of Oregon, unfortunately, is is pretty high tax um, because it, you know we would be coming in close to what the federal is almost. But still, it may make sense if you think rates will stay where they are, then you have it out of you know out of your life. You don't have to worry about taxes. Or 
if you take think that that tax rates will go up. You know, and Matt mentioned it last segment about how much um, debt the U.S. has and how much the payments are. And not to jump into that again, but in essence, you know, somehow that payment has to be made. And a lot of those dollars come from, you know, the revenue streams that the U.S. government has, and that's the revenue that's from taxes. income. Yeah. yeah. And so if we feel that rates of taxes will go down, then Roth conversion opportunities not, are not a good idea. But if we feel that rates will stay where they are or go higher, potentially it's something to consider. And, and then there's also that one big key feature that when required minimum distributions are hitting your IRA and your 401k and other uh, pre-tax retirement accounts. Right. There is no required minimum distribution on, on Roth. Roths. Mm-hmm. And that's something I was going to bring up. So A, during the latest release of the SECURE Act, the RMD, required minimum distribution age, did go up to 73 and will phase out all the way up to 75 over a certain period of time. So that's a plus, but it doesn't mean it goes away. And adults, like most of what who's listening right now do not like it when people tell them what to do, right? Kids don't like it either. They just have to deal with it because they're children. But if you don't want the IRS to tell you what to do, meaning, hey, go ahead and take your required minimum distribution of, let's say, 4.5% of your account or whatever the table says, then maybe consider paying the taxes now on your uh, schedule versus theirs, right? And mm-hmm. that's the other thing that you mentioned. So, um, if you are sitting there in your head spinning, thinking like, man, this is a new concept. I haven't heard of this. Or maybe it's way over my head and I'd like to at least uh, get more education on it. We do provide complimentary consultations and we can dive into the details of this a little bit further. Our number here is 503-253-3000. Now, keep in mind, you don't have to be an expert in this when talking with someone because again we try to educate and break things down to more simpler things and then we would work with your tax professional to make sure things are buttoned up the right way uh so you know it's important concept i wanted to bring it up at the end the other thing and we're i feel like a broken record almost because we talked about it um, a couple of times but funding of retirement accounts and that specifically means roth or traditional iras until the date of April 18th this year. So tax filing date is April 18th. If you maybe forgot or didn't feel like it or just didn't have the money uh, to fund your retirement accounts for 2022, you do have the opportunity to do so if you're qualified for it all the way through the 18th of April. Now, that's another thing that I would bring up with an accountant, tax professional. If you're sitting down with them, it's almost like you have a checklist. It's like, hey, these guys on the radio said I should talk to you about this, 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 and this, and they're going to roll their eyes. They're like, oh, well, at least you came prepared. So, yeah, an easy concept to think about. If you were one of those fortunate folks that do have a 1099 on a brokerage account, that taxable account, and you're like, hey, you know, I don't have cash sitting around to contribute to my Roth, but I uh, do have this brokerage account. Maybe think about taking funds out of the brokerage account and shifting it over to your IRA or Roth. and Potentially. Yeah, yeah. use your dollars that way. Uh, many ways of funding it. Um, what I'll tell you is a lot of people that don't fund their Roth IRAs regret it in the future or traditional IRAs because most of the time when older people sit down with us, they're like, wait, I wish I put more money when I was younger or I wish I funded them fully because like I said, you have to qualify in order to be able to put money in there. And you may not if your income continues to grow. Mm-hmm. Now, again, that's a question for your tax professional. Look at your 2023 income return 
and figure out if you're eligible to contribute to Roth or traditional IRAs. And that brings us to the end of our show. We've appreciated everyone listening. This has been Investing Simplified. The opinions voiced in Investing Simplified with Bo Caldwell are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with an attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. A diversified portfolio does not assure profit or prevent losses in a declining market. Roth IRA conversion is a taxable event. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated. Investment services offered through Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Simplified.